Okay. Well, good morning again, folks. It's great to be with you and uh, just to share with you this morning. And once again, thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. Uh, you really are changing lives and it's amazing. It really is. If you've got a Bible or a device or whatever you use, just turn to Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2. And we're going to read just a few verses from there as we come to God's word and just to consider what he's saying to us today. He's already speaking, isn't he? I love the sensitivity within the worship where we can just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to us as individuals, as a church. And uh, let's allow him just to speak to us from the word of God just now. Exodus chapter 2, now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the baskets among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew children, she said, one of the Hebrew uh, babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him uh, to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. I drew him out of the water. Father, we pray uh, this morning that you would speak to us afresh uh, from a story that is so well known, and uh, I think even now uh, being looked at in the life of the church in a series and whatever. But Lord, I pray that you would speak something new to each one of us today. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Well, if you've never read this Bible story before, you'll probably know the story from uh, the Prince of Egypt. You know, either the stage show or the film. It's an incredible story of deliverance from captivity and the creation of a nation that centers around a guy called Moses. It's a picture of God's plan of salvation demonstrating his love for mankind to bring people out of the slavery of sin into the family of God through his son, the Lord Jesus. We've already heard a little bit about that this morning as Tim brought that word to us, haven't we? So in chapter 1, Pharaoh is like really concerned about the rise of the Hebrew people in his land. And there's a fear of being outnumbered. So he says to his advisors, we've got to keep them down. We've got to keep them down. Let's take away their freedom and make them slaves. Hey, sound like someone you know lately? Someone you've heard recently in the press? You know, insecurity, fear conspiracy, isolation, and all of those things will always 
create the kind of leader who dictates and controls and threatens and causes pain and heartache and suffering. And it says of Pharaoh that he was ruthless with the people and he made their lives bitter. He made their lives bitter. There's a lot of people right now whose lives are bitter because somebody is being ruthless with them. He also wanted to control their numbers. So as babies were born, if they were a male baby, they were to be killed and thrown into the Nile. Can you imagine the fear and the pain that was going on amongst the Hebrew people at that time? Much like the horror and the suffering of those in the Ukraine right now with millions of people as refugees and hundreds killed, including young children. He made their lives bitter. But you know, into this situation, a young boy was born, and his name was Moses. He was born into slavery, and he too had a death sentence on his head. What chance did he have? What chance as a, a person fleeing Mariupol or some of the other cities seem to have? You know, there seems to be a death sentence over their heads where there's no safe passage out of that place. And here, Moses too was born into slavery and there was a death sentence upon his head. What chance did he have? What hope was there for him? Now this was his people and the oppressor was out to get him. You see, Moses was born into the wrong postcode. It was the the G-O postcode. You see, um, the area that Moses lived was called Goshen, the G-O postcode, where the Hebrews lived. It wasn't the T-H postcode where Pharaoh, Thebes, uh, that postcode where Pharaoh lived. You know, a person's opportunity and lifestyle and fate are often linked to the postcode or to the area or even the country that they are born into. Can I tell you, church, this morning that there are currently 370 million children in our world still, in this day and age, who were born, who are born into a postcode of poverty, of suffering, of captivity, of abuse, and of exploitation. They are in their Goshen postcode, as it were, with not a hope of getting out of it. They've got a, no hope of getting to Thebes, to the TH postcode. There are children today around our world who are caught up in forced labor. Uh, the, the victims of, you know, debt in the family that will be passed from generation to generation, where they are making their form of bricks without straw, just like the Hebrew people at that time. Children who were caught up as child soldiers in civil wars. You know, we hear much about the war in Ukraine right now, but did you know that there are 49 other wars going on in our world where people are equally being terrorized and abused and exploited in so many ways? And young children are being pulled into, uh, you know, into those uh, armies to fight along with rebels or whoever it may be. Face sexual exploitation as well as the challenges of not having food security or clean water and access to education and healthcare. And just as there was a death sentence over Moses' head, so too for many today, they won't reach their first birthday. 
because of disease, because of poor sanitation, because of filthy water, because of a lack of good diet, because of the lack of healthcare resources, it will affect infant mortality. I, I asked you to remember that, that last, uh, last number there about child mortality. It's, it's the amount of live births or de- uh, 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 bir- uh, the mortality rate is the amount of those who uh, die compared to the, uh, the thousand uh, live births. And in Afghanistan, it's 106 deaths for every 1,000 live births. In uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, it's 62 uh, deaths per 1,000 live births. In Kenya, it's 45. In Rwanda, it was 37, I believe. But do you know what the difference is? In here, in the UK, it's four children. Four children, which is still terrible and absolutely shocking, but still four children compared to so many others that we're seeing in the developing world uh, that are losing their lives and won't make their first birthday. Thank God for mums who will do whatever they can to protect their children. You see that on the news, don't you? And as mothers hug their children while uh, to keep them close, traumatized by the war in Ukraine, families split apart. Husbands having to stay and fight for their country. Around the world, many mums are broken because they simply didn't have the resources to be able to protect their child. How blessed we are. We said it just now. How blessed we are. How blessed our kids are to have all that they have. Uh, And sometimes we moan and complain, but incredible uh, the things that we have uh, to hand here in this country. That's the injustice of where you happen to live in the developing world. Speaking here in the UK, but look at the disparity across the the developing world. Do you know, I love the spirit of Jochebed, that was Moses' mum, who said to the oppressor of her people, you're not having my child. You're not having my child. So she takes a little basket and she makes it waterproof and she places this little three-month baby into the basket. He's making a bit of noise now. He's beginning to cry. She can't hide uh, the cries and the tears. So she puts him in the basket and she puts the baby in the river amongst the bulrushes and the reeds. And then she tells her daughter Miriam to stay close, to follow the basket and to watch what happens. What faith Jochebed exhibits. She knows she's got to do something and what a risk she's taking in putting her baby into a crocodile infested river. But Jochebed had heard the stories that God was a faithful God and she was trusting him in this situation. And you know what? God was about to display his faithfulness and implement the plan of rescue. So, Miriam is watching what happens. And verse 5 says that Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. I guess that they were trying to locate a safe place for her to bathe. And that's when she saw the basket. And she tells her servants to bring the basket. Now here's an interesting thing, okay. Jochebed put the basket in the Nile... And I guess it was fairly close to where she lived. 
The question that I'm asking today, and I don't know if this is the answer, but the question that I'm asking today is why would the princess be walking in the GO postcode and not the TH postcode? Why would she be walking in Goshen and not in Thebes? It was well out of her TH postcode. It was dangerous for her to be there. And why on earth would she want to bathe in that part of the river where the Hebrews bathed, washed their clothes, and probably goats and cattle moved around in as well? You see, this area would be downstream from the palace. The Hebrews would bathe in the dirty water of the Egyptians, not the other way around. The only thing that I can think of is that somehow, somehow a miracle happened. Somehow the basket moved upstream. What was the somehow? Well, the somehow was God. You know, he's, he's very good at taking that which is despised and rejected and worthless and downstream in the eyes of the world and sending them upstream. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8 says this, that he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them among princes and bestows on them a throne of honor. We serve the God of the upstream. Come on people, give me some feedback here. We serve the God of the upstream. God has done things in your life that have caused you to flow upstream. He's changed things in your situation. Listen, you may be at the bottom of the pile. Life may not have served you well. Perhaps you feel right now that you're in a place of containment like there's a sentence over your life that has been spoken that this is where you are and this is where you're going to stay. You may feel like you're in the ash heap. But can I tell you, church, that my God is the God of the upstream. Amen? Can you say upstream? Come on. I want to get you into this this morning. I want you to kind of hear my heart. You know, I want you to get passionate because I'm feeling passionate about this today, okay? Uh, you see, he's, he's, he's good at doing uh, these things. He's good at changing situations in people's life. He can take your current position and he can move you to a higher place upstream. He's the, he's the God who turns lives around and brings hope and transformation. And when he does that, it's not just for you, but he does it so that others around you will also benefit as well as we will see with Moses. Listen, this is called Hope Church. I guess it's called Hope Church for a reason. Because you want to see hope come into people's lives. Some of you are sitting there today, and once upon a time, you were downstream. But now you're upstream. God has done something in your life and caused your situation to turn around. Once you felt hopeless, but now you have hope. Once you felt like nothing, but now you feel like something. You feel like someone, and you feel that you can do anything. Well, Pharaoh's daughter told the servants to bring the basket. But what attracted her first of all? And what did she do? And, and what could we learn from her actions? You see, God was going to use this young woman in his purposes. And he wants to use us in his purpose of lifting children and young people. In fact, anybody that we see. It doesn't have to be one of these kids that we 
see on the screen. It can be anyone. People out there in Winchester today. People in your community. People at the school gate. He wants to use us in lifting people into a new place of hope in their lives and into a better future. Well, here's a few things I want to share before I fly off to uh, Hope North right now. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Here's the first thing. Number one, she heard the baby crying. I want to ask you this morning, will you hear the cry of the poor and the broken? Will you open your ears to that which may not be comfortable, but is crucial that we do? The word says in Proverbs 21 verse 13, that if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Well, that's, that's a bit of a tough verse to hear, isn't it? He too will cry out and not be answered. My goodness, God help us. Uh, but God wants us to hear his heart and show his love and demonstrate his heart to those. He wants us to hear their cry and wants us to be attentive to their need. She heard the baby crying. She saw a baby, not a deliverer. You see, the very means of delivering the people out of captivity was in the hands of the princess. But all she could see was a baby. You know, I mean, I want one of those. It was like a, you know, uh, a token thing. You know, it was like a, an accessory almost for the princess. I want one of these babies. And, and uh, uh, she had in her hands the deliverer of Israel. I, I love that Jesus came as a baby as well. In fact, there was, when he came, there was a sentence of death over his life as well by another deranged king, King Herod. King Herod was killing all the baby boys. But Jesus came small and vulnerable into our world, and yet he would be the savior of the world. Do you know, some of you sponsor a child already. Thank you so much for that. What do you see in that picture of your child? What do you see? Do you see a little baby? Do you see a little kid, little child, uh, you know, harmless and helpless and vulnerable and whatever? Or do you see God's greater purpose in their life? Are you seeing with the eye of faith? Are you seeing what that child could become? Uh, that they are now, because of your investment, heading upstream. They're no longer in that downstream position, but they're heading upstream. They're changing postcodes, as it were, and they're becoming all that God wants them to be. Who knows what this child could become? Who knows what little Nishimwi could become? She's going to be five in September. Who knows what, what she could do in the future. You know, we've got kids right now who are advising government in their countries. But they started out like little Nishimwe, born into poverty. But somebody gave them a hope and a future. Here's the third thing. She identified a child at risk. You see, she, she recognized the baby as a Hebrew child and probably should have handed him over. But she was smitten. She fell in love with that little boy. And I'm praying today that God will connect your heart to one of the children that we have available on the stand back there so that they too can escape the circumstances that are against them. Here's number four. She asked someone to nurse him. Quick as a flash, Miriam, his sister, jumps up and says, I know someone who could look after that baby. She was thinking smart, wasn't she? So she goes and gets her mum, Jochebed. How cool was that? In compassion, you know, we are not in the business of taking children away and putting them in a home. We want to invest in their home. 
We want to invest in their family, whatever that family looks like. It may be a grandmother who's looking after the kids. It may be a single mum. It might be a single dad or an auntie, but that's a family unit. And we want to invest into that family unit. You see, um, uh, we keep them in the family where they can be loved and supported by those that know them the best. Here's another thing. She paid for his care and support. Incredible. See, Jochebed gets her child back, and not only that, but somebody else carries the burden of financial care. God's so good, isn't he? I wonder if that was the first child sponsorship. No, I'm not saying that. It's not a doctrine or anything like that. I'm trying to... You see, when you sponsor a child, you get to invest... You get... This is a privilege, not a duty. You, You get to do this. Wow. You get to invest in their needs, their health, their education, their emotional support, and their spiritual support as well. Uh, Your sponsorship of 28 quid a month will lift the burden of care and will spill over into the lives of the siblings as well. 28 quid a month, that's a takeaway. That's a few trips to Starbucks or Costa. You know, incredible. And you could be creating a world leader, a community uh, transformer. Who knows what will happen? And so here's the princess. She's investing in this child. And and I'm sure that Aaron and uh, the brother and Miriam The sister benefited as well. Just last week, I was doing a virtual visit into a home in Kenya where I was talking to a boy of 10 years of age called Jakes. Uh, You know, he's a compassion child. And we were just having this this little interview and there were some people that were Zoomed in as well. And and, uh, we were were chatting away and there was his mum, Anne. And then I said, oh, is that, is that somebody else in the family? They were just off camera, and they put, swung the camera around, and there was his sister, Jolita. I said, Jolita, you're beautiful, just like your mom. And she went, ooh. And, and I said, Jolita, tell me, what, what do you do? She said, I'm doing, I always wanted to be a chef. She said, but there was no hope to do that, couldn't afford it. But she said, I'm now doing a catering course. And as we talked about it, the reason that she could do that was now because somebody else was investing in Jake's. The burden of financial responsibility was being lifted in that area of the family. So it allowed more finance to be able to be uh, invested into Jolita so that she too could do what she wanted. Now, the whole family are being blessed in that situation. It's incredible what your money will do and the, the consequences of investment, it releases more opportunity for others. Last one, she took him from a river to a palace. Do you know, later as Moses got a bit older, he went to live in the palace of Pharaoh. Acts seven twenty two says this, that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. This little boy was moving upstream. He was moving upstream. And I could tell you story after story of little boys and little girls who've gone through our program and with the love of the local church, the love of the sponsor, the love of the project, the community. You know, it takes a village to raise a child and we can all be part of that village. And you know, that little boy, that little girl becoming all that God wants them to be, a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, a teacher, uh, a politician, a business person, a great mum, a great dad, a role model in their community, a business leader in their community, someone who's investing in others and providing jobs for others. You know, they are changing the situation uh, for their community. 
I just want to show you a, a little video now, if we could just put that on. And here's a few of our young people who've gone through the program. One day. sponsor had a great impact on me on my development because every time I go to school every time I do something I always think of them and I always make them proud yes I always want to make my parents proud too but there's another set of parents that I consider that I don't want to disappoint them I see my sponsors Betty and Boyd as as my family because uh, that's how they treated me. They treated me as one of their sons. The first person that helped me believe that I could be a leader was my sponsor, who wrote me that letter and told me that they believed in me. And I thought to myself, if they believed in me and I was going to become somebody, it's true. I can actually become that somebody. They always encouraged me just to be a good student, a good daughter, and just to keep learning as much as I could because even though in my thoughts that maybe I would not be able to do much because I didn't have the resources, but they always put those words in my heart that I will have just a trust in God that He will He will He will open doors for me. I'm what I am today because of a stranger willing to invest in my life and show me the, the love of Christ and pray for me and encourage me each step of the way. Amen. Come on, give them a clap. They've done so well. Did you notice Moses right there at the end? Fantastic. Maybe the band could come, just come and help me to close up here now. I'm going to hand back to Luke in just a moment. Here's just one more thing. One more thing I want to say. Because, because of her love and support, because of the Pharaoh's daughter, love and support, he changed the history of the world. He changed the history of the world. You know, here was a Hebrew nation that were in captivity 400 years you know, they were a downtrodden, oppressed people. But now God was raising up a deliverer. And because somebody else invested in him and gave him an opportunity, he changed the history of the world. They saw, the word says, that he was no ordinary child. I want to tell you, this is no ordinary child. Those children that we've got back there, no ordinary children. These kids that were down the front just now, they're no ordinary children. There's no ordinary children. Every child is special, valued, precious in his sight and has a hope and a future. Amen? Amen? I'm praying today that God would connect your heart with a child. And, uh, and maybe you already sponsor, sponsor another one, but if, if you're already sponsoring, I'm praying that God would just rekindle that excitement, that love, 
to connect with the child, to write that letter, you know, to just a few lines. Can I tell you, you can do that on a Compassion app now. You can just download the app and it will sync with your details and your child will come up. You can just do a few lines in the on the bus or while you're waiting for something or, you know, in the bank or whatever. You can just write to your child. A few lines would just mean the, the world to them. My sponsor loves me. They know me. They care about me. They talk about me. They pray for me. Wow. They saw that he was no ordinary child. He became the deliverer of the Hebrew people. That incredible exodus out of Egypt. Going through the Red Sea. For the next 40 years through the wilderness, Moses was able to lead the people. But you know, because somebody invested in Moses and gave him an opportunity to become the person that God wanted to use there came a time when uh, he had to hand over the baton and he was able to hand that over to Joshua for the next stage of the journey and the promised land and all the rest of it can I tell you that these guys a lot of them have got families they've got children their children do not know poverty because they've been released from poverty in Jesus name now those children have a hope and a future they will carry on the blessing they will carry on that spirit that says we're not going to settle for poverty we're going to change it in our nation we're going to change it in our world today and the baton is being handed over will you help to hand over the baton will you help to make a difference not just to Nishimwi but to Nishimwi's children and to her grandchildren this is a long-term investment it's incredible what you will do just for the price of a takeaway a month you're creating a world changer transformer, great mum, a great businesswoman, where so many girls have got no voice in the world today because of the fact that they're a girl. Give her a voice, give her a hope, give her a future, and give her that dignity to be able to come all that God wants her to be. I'm going to ask, you know, why don't you just go and see the stand and uh, see some of those children. The team will help you. I've got to shoot off to North now. But you know, that last verse that we read means this. It says that she called him Moses because it means to draw out. She drew him out of the water. I don't know, there's a a blue compassion tablecloth there. Maybe that could signify the Nile. I don't know if the Nile was that blue. Maybe it was a bit dirty in that, I don't know. But there's the children and maybe right now they're in their basket. Will you draw them out? Will you lift them up? Will you draw them out? of their Nile, of their geo postcode and help them to begin to flow upstream because God is the God of upstream and he wants to work with us to see lives change. Thank you, Hope Church. God bless you and uh, keep you and continue the incredible work that you're doing. Thank you for your generosity and your faith and your commitment to see the kingdom of God established in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.